you were that child who would have a special project and would assemble it how you wanted to see it in your mind at home, break it down, take it to school and parts, put it together as a whole and then get an award for it. No one would be able to get credit for helping you do it. You did it all by yourself and got it to school all alone. And then it would be on a display case in the school to show that you won an award for it. And we wouldn't even know anything about it until we showed up at school and we would see your name and we would see a, a case and it says Anissa Ford. And we were like, when did she do that? How did she do that? How did she get it to school? So you were that child and couldn't give anybody else the credit for helping you because you asked for no help. Welcome to the Almost Apostolic Podcast. I'm your host, Anissa, and this podcast is designed to share the backstories and testimonies of beautiful ministry-minded people. I hope you laugh, and I hope you learn that we are all striving for perfection in an imperfect world as people of faith. So join me every other week as I interview a few familiar folks and hopefully some you may not know. It's time. You've all been waiting. Here we are, season two of the Almost Apostolic Podcast. With me today is the Queen Mother. (laughs) Reverend Lisa Ford. How are you, Reverend? I'm not a reverend. How are you? I'm fine. Wonderful. Are you excited to be my season premiere guest host? No. Um, can we pretend like we're excited for the sake of your daughter and all of her? Okay, yes. Hi, I'm so excited. Okay, wonderful, yes. Fake it till you make it, sister. Yes, Now those things that are not as though they were. Oh, amen, amen. She's already preaching. Mm. So, um, she says I'm the most annoying person on the planet, but what she doesn't know is that every time she looks in the mirror, she's looking at me in 29 years (laughs) so jokes on you (laughs) Woo! okay i'm very excited about this season and there's no other person i would like to start it with than my very own mother we're here to talk salvation story because from her spiritual loins have been birthed hundreds of people So I don't think I've heard your salvation story in its entirety. The pieces that I've heard have been from you giving Bible studies at our home and my older siblings shoving me into the living room to sneak snacks from your Bible study into our bedroom so we can eat. But I've never heard it from start to finish. So I thought, what better time than right now to get your entire salvation story out into the universe. So let's start from the very beginning. What was the year? 1988. What was the month? September. And what mindset were you in as an individual during this time? Talk about where you were physically and then where you were spiritually. Where I was physically was in Germany, Baumholder, Germany. And uh, my mindset was discomfort 
dislike. I was in a foreign country and they had foreign behavior, ways, rules, regulations, and we had to abide by them. So and what were you doing in Germany? That was a tour of duty station. Your father was a, a military man. And um, by that time he was a sergeant. We went through boot camp in smaller cities. So we ended up as far as a tour duty for four years. The assignment was Germany. And so we ended up going to Germany. While we were in Germany, we had to follow the customs and follow their laws and their rules, which was store stores closing by five o'clock, restaurants open by five. Um, you had to get your shopping done quickly because once they closed, you had no access to any food or anything else. It was a country with rules. Uh, summer lasted only two weeks of hot summer. The rest was winter. And so it was really a depressing time. And it was a time that um, it was a heightened war going on in other places. But Germany, what just happens to be his tour of duty, he was a diesel mechanic uh, for military um, machinery. And so that was our assignment. Okay, so you're walking through the streets of Germany one September day. And what happens? Go on. I ended up waiting for the military transportation to go back to the base. And a lady approaches me and starts talking to me about her lifestyle. And she ended up uh, telling me how she was a, was a military wife, but she was a prostitute. And she was telling me how her husband that she was married to was her pimp in the military. And she starts describing her lifestyle, how she, you know, lived and how they traveled around and, you know, she would make money for him being in the military. And that was her testimony. And I looked at her appearance like she was testifying. I was listening to a young lady that was telling me everything that sounded contradictory to what I was actually looking at. She did not look like what she had been through. And so that's what got my attention because Somebody's telling you this horrible story about their life, but yet they don't look like what they've been through and stuff. So I let her continue to talk. But as she's talking, I started crying because I started feeling, I, at the time I didn't know it, but I was feeling the presence of God. And so I just started weeping as she was talking about how God came into her life and changed her and her husband's life and changed their lifestyle. And the military never knew that they were that kind of couple. And from what she was telling me, somebody had witnessed to her. I just let her talk and continue to witness. And then she invited me. The next statement was, do you want, would you, do you want to go to church with me? And so I accepted the invitation to go to church the next day. I just waited and she said, I'll pick you up and take you to church. So by the time I got to my home with my spouse, he asked me, why was I crying? And I could not explain to him what had happened to me because she left me in tears. And so I just kept crying. I think I cried till the next day till I actually went to church with her and stuff. Uh, that morning it started subsiding. I just 
waited for her to come to my home and pick me up. They had moved us to uh, the German housing because on the base they didn't have room for military. So they had acquired some housing off base for uh, families to stay in. So she came and picked me up and took me to their church, which happened to be on the base. And it was a converted theater. So you get to the church and they say, And then what happened? Not at all. Okay, so what happened? They spoke English. Okay. They were American. Right, wonderful. American soldiers mm -hmm. and uh, wives. Um, I get to the church. We got there in time enough for Sunday school. And um, Sunday school was coming to a close. I had a bad headache. All of a sudden, I'm not one prone to migraines, but I had a bad migraine headache. So church part had not started yet. And so I asked, could they please allow me to go home? And could someone take me home? So she had picked me up. And so um, I asked, could someone take me home? Because now I'm not feeling well. And so um, no one volunteered to take me. They were getting ready to start the service. And I'm wondering why now I feel like I'm captured. Because no, no one responded to the fact that I have a headache. But what they did do is they changed the order of service. And that's what I picked up on. How they normally would start it, the pastor said, we're going to do something different. Normally we give altar call after the service. We're going to ask that everyone come up before the service and let's um, pray. You know, let's give a, um, an altar call right now before service even starts. And so they started the service with an altar call. Um, since I knew I wasn't going home right away, I went up to the altar. I started to pray. Well, back then I never experienced just praying. You know, I felt like I talked to God and I felt like I had a relationship with God. But I definitely found out later I was just oblivious to what real relationship was with God. Prayer and uh, reading and all of that. I didn't have that in my life. I grew up in church, but church was not in me. I ended up praying the only way I knew how. And I had a, a lady on my left, a lady on my right. And I was just more confused because, yeah, of course, someone was saying, let go. Someone was saying, hold on. And so it, it was just, it just felt it was like it was chaotic. And it was very confusing. And so I listened to them. And then finally got to a place where I had to actually shut them out because I didn't understand what was going on, but I understood the feeling that I was having. It was like an overwhelming presence of an angelic being, which I've never really felt an angelic being or really realized that that's what I was feeling. And so as we uh, stayed at the altar and prayed, um, all of a sudden, what I really let go of self then the Holy Ghost fell in such a way that I remember I'm at the altar, shoes on, intact, <laughs> nervous. And all of a sudden, when I open my eyes, I'm standing to the left and I don't have any shoes on. And I don't even realize how I got there. But I'm speaking in a, a language that I've never even practiced or 
uh, understood and it was just something fell on me that was so powerful that I couldn't even explain what had just taken place. It was almost like I was floated, I floated through the air and landed on the left side of my body. And I saw that I was still inside the church, but I felt different. And I was speaking in a, a language that I've never heard before. I know it wasn't German. So how did you feel immediately after that experience? Refreshed, refreshed. Like I knew something had happened, but could I explain it to myself? No. Could I even understand it with my own carnal thinking? No. All I knew is the experience was uh, overwhelming and very joyous because I was not really liking Germany. And I'm baptized in this horse trough in a theater in the middle of Baumholder, Germany in the winter. And um, I'd already received the Holy Ghost. So, of course, I came up out of the water speaking in tongues. And then from that point on, started my journey in salvation. I enjoyed that peace that came along with the package. It was like a first aid kit that had everything you needed in the inside of it. So after that experience, were you like, ooh, I've got to go tell everybody I know? Or were you like, I want to know more about this for myself? What was your mindset post-baptism, post-Holy Ghost? It was, I needed to understand this experience. I, I grew up Baptist. I could not become a Pentecostal being Baptist, Bapticostal. So I was like, okay, in order for me to sell a product, I need to understand what the product is. Mm -hmm. I bought Bibles that I've never heard of before. Example, a Thompson chain. I don't even remember how I, how I even came across the even phrase Thompson chain. All I know is I needed a Bible that I wanted to link everything together. I ended up going to the military library, understanding that this experience came about through the disciples and it was in the, in the word of God. And then it was a, experience that was seen in our day called Azusa Street. So I actually went to the library and I studied everything about Azusa Street that I could find. And in a German library, it was it was limited in United States information, but it was very knowledgeable on religion. And so I found old photos, old newspapers, magazines and uh, looked at everything on microfish just read up everything i could find on azuzu street so i decided to um, apply to the word of god so i went through the bible studying the word of god studying acts 238 and not just studying but uh, helping the word to become a part of my my dna and so i studied the word of god morning, noon, and night. In order for you to sell something, you have to know how it works and you have to know what it does and you have to have the ins and outs concerning it. So I started memorizing scripture. And the one thing that the little church taught me is that you needed to have a prayer life. And to begin a prayer life, you had to, um, you had to learn how to talk to God and study his words. There was no one teaching you on prayer. There was no one teaching you about this. There was no discipleship for me at all. 
because basically once I had this experience, it was time for us to pack up and leave. So I was only there less than six months and it's like I did a drive-by. I drove by, got the Holy Ghost, and then had to keep on going. The only thing that I caught I caught on my way through was the fact that you needed to have a prayer life and you needed to study the Word of God. So that's what I did. I actually applied myself by praying, fasting, and studying the Word of God. So after that six-month period, where did y'all go? We went to, from from Germany, our next tour duty was Virginia. Did you, like, feel the depression leaving you once you were back in the United States, or was that just something that followed you? Depression didn't follow me. Okay. After I got the Holy Ghost, I was free. Okay. And so it didn't follow me. And All so, right. but um, just my lack of understanding everything about God was kind of... Um, like my now became my schoolmaster. I had to get to know God better. And like I said, the only thing that they instilled was for you to continue to pray and you could, for you to continue to um, and read the word of God. And without having any discipleship, that's what I did. I, I made sure that I prayed and I made sure that I uh, stayed in the word. As I was leaving the church in uh, Germany, the um, different ones, including the pastor, told me not to not to attend a UPC church. And me not knowing, I didn't even really know what UPC was. But anyway, he said, do not, because they were actually getting out of the organization and for me not to attend a UPC church, but for me to look for this person named Vanessa Postel. Looking for her, she would probably, I guess, connect me. I'm assuming she was going to connect me with diff a different church affiliation. I set out to do just that. And so I looked, went to different, different church services and different um, churches that I kind of felt like, because I wasn't too um, educated on standards or beliefs or anything like that, because like I said, I wasn't discipled. So I just look for people that looked like the people that I left. What ended up happening is I visited some Kojic churches, just different churches that baptized in Jesus' name and that believed in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. In in our housing area that was on on the military on a military post, I would um, you know see neighbors and things like that. To make a long story short, I actually was. Um, we were actually five doors down, and I remember meeting a lady, you know, just outside. Her children were playing, my children were playing, and she invited me to church. We didn't exchange names or anything. We just, she just said, hey, uh, if you'd like to go to church with me, um, you can, and um, a, a bus will come and pick us up, you know, from our housing unit, and just you know, come out and come to church with me. So I said, okay. So we were ready the next Sunday, the next service. We were ready for church. And so I ended up going with this lady who I didn't know. When this bus picked us up, it pulled up in front of the house. We got on this bus. And so we're riding on this bus. And so I realized I'm not familiar with these people or this person, but that I just needed to go to church because I 
looks for so many weeks and months um, trying to find out and figure out uh, where to go to church. And I was not having any luck, you know, and stuff. And so I decided to uh, get on the bus and go to church with her. So as we're pulling up to her church, I realized I do not know her name. I said, okay, hi. I just, I just realized we never introduced ourselves to each other. She said, my name is Vanessa Postel. And I was like, what? So all that time, I was five doors down from the very person that they told me to look for. And so I was like, okay, I just came from Germany, from Baumholder, from a church that you had attended. And they told me to look for you. And uh, I'm, I looked for you. And I could not find you under any, you know, registration or rosters that the military has. And so I end up on the bus with you. But then the bus that we're on, you're taking me to a United Pentecostal church. I didn't tell her anything else. I didn't say, hey, look, they just told me not to go to a UPC church, church, but they told me to look for you. I didn't say anything else. And I went to the UPC church with her, and uh, which was kind of a contradiction and what I was told. So what I ended up doing is trying to find out what UPC was and what it was about. And all I found out is that it's just an organization. It's not the doorway to heaven and stuff. So I still stayed in the Word of God and still searched the Word of God because I started going to church you know, because it was convenient. They was they were picking me up. And as long as they were not telling me anything that I could not read in the word of God or that I could read in the word of God that was contradicting, I just followed the protocol. And so I went to church with her on a regular basis. And I started growing by reading and praying. It wasn't about what a man was telling me. It was about what the word of God was saying and what the spirit was doing. I started learning how to read the Bible and studying the Bible, praying and fasting so that I can come into a relationship with the Lord. So is that where you feel like your love for prayer and outreach began or was it sometime after that? No, that is basically where, where that love started because I knew in order to um, please God, I knew I had to win people reconcile people back to God. So I started a, my my journey with prayer and uh, witnessing to people. But um, I needed to have a place for people to go. So that's why once I got established at a church, then I just started witnessing the people and winning people and inviting them to church. And that's where I love developed as far as, you know, getting people to the house of God to the kingdom of God and started getting enough information. I was nervous about teaching Bible studies, but I found out even the little bit I knew was more than a new person would know. So that opened up a door for me that if I could sit down and talk to them about the word of God, I still knew more than them because they're new. They just need an introduction to God. And so from that point on, I started winning people to God and uh, inviting people to church, inviting them and encouraging them, having Bible studies with them, breaking bread with them, anything that I could do to get someone to open their eyes up 
to a relationship with God, I started doing. And even bringing people to church. Because I remember in Virginia, a man, a brother, ended up introducing me to a, a lady. And we became friends. And she actually gave me a car just for free. She just said, here, you can have this car. It's got some major work that needs to be done on it. And uh, if you want it, you can have it, though. What I did was I took the car and I got um, a brother that was mechanically inclined to look at it for me, to tell me what kind of work that I needed to have done on it. The brother looked at it for about an hour and 15 minutes and came back to tell me it was a $35 part that I needed. Then it's fine and it, it will be able to run. And so from that point on, I had a car that was given to me free of charge. I drove it around the base and then I kept it for as long as I could and invited people, invited people to church in it. And it became what some churches called a Holy Ghost mobile because everybody who I invited, I brought them to church in that car. In our military journey, we, we moved around. And so I ended up in Lawton, Oklahoma. I went and visited a church and in the middle of the service when we were having a mighty move of God, I was, uh, the spirit of God fell on me. I went backwards down an aisle. And when I turned around, I ended up facing a wall, never touching it, but facing it. Because one of the sisters had to tell me that, that you went backwards. And then when you turned around, you never touched it, but you stopped right in the nick of time. And, um, but while I was at that wall, I had a God experience that I never ha had before. The Lord spoke to me and he said, did you have to go to Houston now? And I was like, Lord, could we just stay here long enough for my son to at least complete the first grade? And I said, because we've moved around so much being military, I want him to at least finish the first grade. Then after I actually said that, that was my request. Can we at least stay there long enough to do that? The Holy Ghost spoke to me and he, he didn't tell me yay or nay, but he just said, I need you to study the word of God to be ready to give an account of me. I knew I had to study the word of God. And in the meantime, in the apartments that I was in for the military, I won the people that were in the apartments. I won them to the Lord. And I was giving Bible studies in that apartment and in their apartments and stuff. And um, God was doing a mighty work. It, it was like my own little mini revival because everybody that I came in contact with, I would share the gospel with them. And when the Lord spoke to me and told me that I was going to be leaving and going to Houston, I didn't want to go to Houston because my family was in Houston and I didn't have a good family relationship. I moved in apartment with my sister and I stayed up on the phone with one of our classmates. And I was not in Houston long, but I was witnessing to this classmate that I had went to high school with. I was talking to her about God and the goodness of God. And she shared some tragic information with me, but I ended up um, using that as a tool to witness to her. We ended up on a phone until three o'clock in the morning. From that day on, I ended, I ended up witnessing to everyone in my family and winning all of my brothers and sisters to the Lord, and including my mother to the Lord. The Lord was teaching me how to wait on him for instructions 
and how to reach people with um, your testimony. And so I ended up winning uh, the people in my sister's apartments and I ended up winning my own family and I ended up winning my own mother to the Lord. But other than that, um, after it was all said and done, all of my family was introduced to this truth. So I was considered the first generation of Pentecost. And from there, once I got to Houston, after that first night, I ended up just calling around to different churches and asking them what were their their standards and what were their beliefs and what were their their instructions. You know, because before I just went to a church, I wanted to know what their beliefs were. And that was 1990. So after I was in, introduced to Life Tabernacle and Elder Kilgore, there was this lady there that um, she was not over prayer, but you can tell that she had, she had a handle on prayer. And um, she was a very powerful lady to me. She had testimonies and she had won people to the Lord, which was my forte. I can relate to that. She won people to the Lord and she would give testimonies as such. And we had prayer meetings with her. And in the prayer meetings, you, we learned how to really get a hold of God. And she taught on prayer and she taught on the weapons of prayer. And she taught, taught how, how prayer is conducted and the journey that we could take in prayer. And so her name was Sister Narvi Green. From learning how to pray and how to talk to the Lord, I decided to take a journey with her. So let's now talk about the importance of prayer, because at the time you said you didn't really know how to pray, and now you're introduced to this woman where her entire life is prayer, so then it just bleeds over into your life, and so now you're captivated by the concept of prayer. So how did you go through that? Because I know early years, I know I couldn't fall asleep without hearing you pray. So what was that need for connection to God through prayer? The need? Yes. What was the need? <laughs> I'm saying like, why were you like, okay, prayer is so important. I it wasn't go. like it was a need. It was an infatuation. Okay. And it, it was more so a, a great infatuation because once I started praying, I felt very connected to God. So it was. It became a lifeline, and it became. It became like in the book of Samuel, he said, "Oh, that we sin when we cease not to pray." So I didn't want to. I didn't want to be in sin, knowing that if I didn't have a prayer life, that was sinning and stuff. So I just knew I had to develop a prayer life, and so it that henceforth became my journey to pray and talk to the Lord on a regular basis, a daily basis, morning, night, and noon. Because it was like, you know, whether y'all were going, whether my kids were going to school or I wanted to make sure that I pray and cover them because there's so many things going on in the school system. And I wanted to make sure that the Lord had angels present there when you were, um, when y'all were walking out the door and the journeys that y'all were taking and the kids that y'all were coming in contact to with and stuff. I wanted to make sure that I was so connected with prayer that before I could even um, think 
of anything that was going to go wrong, that because of my relationship with God, I would be notified and told to pray about something or come against something. I mean, he even showed me, he even showed me, because uh, I was, I would pray about what school that y'all were going to go to. I wouldn't even buy a pencil or school supplies until God gave me direction on where uh, y'all would be attending school. So prayer was such a lifeline and it was so essential till it wasn't just a routine of going in before God. It was going in and sitting with him and knowing that um, I was going the right direction and y'all were going to the right schools and y'all were, you know, in the right place that I took with the Lord. So you're praying, you're fasting, you're winning souls. How many people, like ballpark number, how many people do you think are still into church today because of your soul winning compassion? It was at a time when your when your sister asked me the same question. She said, Mom, how many people do you think you've won to the Lord? And at the time, because she, you know, asked me that question, we hadn't been out of Germany. I mean, we hadn't been out of Virginia long when I knew it was over at least 200. And so, and from that point, I just stopped counting. And, uh, but I knew, I knew from Germany to Virginia, I had reached or, or connected at least 200 people to the Lord. And at one point in time, I used to write them down in my Bible. I would write, write them down in the back of my Bible because I want to remember to pray for them on a daily basis because the Bible says that your fruit remain. And so I knew that I had to pray for them and I had to, you know, cover them. But I remember once we got, well, being in Houston, I remember the house that we ended up in on Kirkland. I remember telling the Lord I wanted to go back to Germany. I was like, Lord, you know what? I want to go back to Germany so I can win people to the Lord. And I don't know why I equated those two together. It was like if I go back to where I started, I can win more people. It was kind of like my thought frame. At the same time, I just said, Lord, I was in prayer. And I was like, Lord, can I go back to Germany? Can I go back? And I was like, whoa, across the street? And I was like, okay. So, but I was like, Lord, I don't know who's across the street. I don't know those people. They were in and out and you couldn't tell who, you, who even lived there. And within a, two weeks, the house became empty and no one lived there. So what I did is every morning between four and six, I got up and went into my living room, opened up my curtains and I started praying towards an empty house because I wanted to claim the souls that were in that empty house. And as I started praying towards that empty house on a regular basis, with no one living there, I was believing God was going to put someone there and I was going to be able to win them to the Lord. Next thing you know, some a family bought the house, but I still couldn't tell who was the initial family to come to live in that house because there were white people, black people, Hispanics. And so I couldn't tell who the owner was because whoever the owner was initially, they would have just all kind of people coming to visit. So finally it got to a point within a couple of weeks of them being there. Um, I finally realized that there was a family there. And so what I ended up doing is saying hello and inviting them to church. 
at this time, they'd already initially started a church in the neighborhood and they were wanting to visit that church. The husband was set on visiting that church in the neighborhood. And so I ended up um, just being a friend and trying not to be overbearing and um, showing myself friendly. What ended up happening was we went into a revival, a revival with Mark Morgan that lasted for two years. And during the revival, I asked them and then I invited them to church. They came, especially the, the, the mother of the house. She had a best friend and she wanted to invite her best friend. And so from the mother and the best friend coming, they both got the Holy Ghost that, that same night that they visited. And from there, inviting the daughters and they invited their best friends. And so when it was all said and done, out of that one going across the street came 37 people. Wow. And that was the Meyer family and the rotation of ethnicities was just them being like the party house, just them being absolutely loving of every color and creed. Yes. <laughs> so yes. That was the revolving door of their house across the street, which I loved because it was never a dull moment with them. And I met them. So I was six when I met them. So that's been 23 years now they've been in my life. And so I guess it's safe to say hundreds of thousands of people have been saved under your ministry, Lisa. No, no, I won't say hundreds of thousands, but I will say that uh, once I did get this understanding of salvation and reconciling people back to Christ, I can say, safely say, I know it's over 200. You know, I know it's probably more than that because I've learned to meet people I've met people that have won people like um like one of the people in my sister's apartments she ended up she ended up getting saved and she ended up marrying a preacher and once she won her sisters to the lord her her family her family was now introduced to church her extended family and that was her name is Brenda Brenda Dones and I'm still friends with her and she's won people to the Lord. So extension from that, I can say 200, but some of the people that you went to the Lord have won someone else. And only eternity will tell. But my point and my purpose was to make sure that I got that. Um, that jewel on your crown. Sister, your crown is going to be so heavy, you're going to have to carry it in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> well... I doubt that, but if it is, glory be to God. Amen. Wonderful. Okay. And thank you so much. We're not done yet. Anyway, well, I just wanted to know your salvation story from start to finish. Is there anything you want to tell the Almost Apostolic Podcast listeners? Is there anything you would like to tell me publicly that maybe you've never said before? Something nice? Preferably, <laughs> like I've never said before. No, because you, when you have, when you're someone's child, you probably have said it all. When um, is there anything we can get on record to live beyond you when you do go on to glory in a couple days? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anything you want to say? Um, 
I hope you have much success with your podcast. And thank you for forcing me to be on it. And it was um, delightful. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You move, you move from a dimension of you just don't exist. You excel at what you do. That is commendable. You were that child who would have a special project and would assemble it how you wanted to see it in your mind at home, break it down, take it to school and parch, put it together as a whole, and then get an award for it. No one would be able to get credit for helping you do it. You did it all by yourself and got it to school all alone. And then it would be on a display case in the school to show that you won an award for it. And we wouldn't even know anything about it until we showed up at school and we would see your name and we would see a a case and it says Anissa Ford. And we were like, when did she do that? How did she do that? How did she get it to school? So you were that child and couldn't give anybody else the credit for helping you because you asked for no help. You just did it on your own. You don't remember that? I really don't. (laughs) What grade was this? You were in um, the second grade, the second grade. And it was, you don't remember it being displayed in a case up by the office? You don't ever remember winning anything? No, I don't. I mean, I've won so many awards, oh. darling, please. Oh. <laughs> but no, I really, I don't remember. No, but in elementary school, you you shined. You won awards and stuff, and um, you took your own projects to school. I think I'm still shining, aren't I? Like a diamond. <laughs> well, Queen Mother... Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Is there anything else you would like to say? Anything at all? No. I love you. I am very proud of your podcast. I'm very proud of your justanisa.com. I'm very proud of your accomplishments in the social media world. That's a lot. (laughs) That's enough, right? I just want to be finished. Is that okay? I thank you for my allowing me to appear on your show, but I really didn't have to. Okay, shh. Okay. Thank you. Just say something nice. Like, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on your show. That's all for this episode of Almost Apostolic. If you enjoyed yourself, please do us a favor and leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until then, thank you for listening.